Hey everybody, we're uh, trying this Squadcast out again with video, audio, all the good things. This is Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robbie Wagner, my co-host as always, Charles W. Carpenter III, and our guest today, Robert Jackson from the Embercore team. And do you prefer Hello? Robert, Rob, some variation? You know, it's, you know the, the, old, the old adage, as long as it's not late for dinner, I guess it's fine. Mm. <laughs> Just call me in okay. as long as not late for dinner. Not RJ Blue, just no, no. That's a really hard to pronounce acronym, like thing. You know, I don't know. I, I, um, I've regretted this many times, but it's hard to change now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I assume the the W is your middle initial. Middle name. Yep. Yep. William. What is that? If you William. Yeah. My parents are totally crazy. Uh, basically, they made a Bob Billy. I don't know how you get that so backwards. Yeah. Like it should be, a, it should have been Billy Bob. It really should have been. I, mm. I could have been a great <laughs> Billy Bob. You yeah. had a chance. So actually, exactly. I am the exact same. I am Robert William. Oh, and, uh, there you go. Yeah. And my parents thought the same thing. They didn't want me to be Billy Bob. So they switched them. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm just Charles William. So yeah, but you get the third. Oh. You're like all yeah. fancy. Yeah. That's, and I try to lean into that. Uh, don't, Did you uh, don't carry around a monocle or anything. Uh, I should, that could be kind of mine, you know, as I move into my mid forties, that could start to be my thing, like, uh, leaning into the monocle, but, uh, and a cane. Mm, yeah. The getting close to that too. Yes. Mr. Uh, Peanut. <laughs> <laughs> That's going into our branding the next round. <laughs> yeah. I want an oct, I want an octopus with a cane and a monocle. <laughs> Amazing. I would actually like to see that. Fair enough. But before we devolve too much, we should start with whiskey, I guess, (laughs) since that's the first thing usually. Yeah. Um, So today we have uh, Hughes Bell of Bedford straight rye whiskey. It is 95% rye and 5% barley. And I don't think any of us have had this. Well, Chuck tried his early, but I've never had this. Myself. Yeah, this is, you, I would have been able to lie except for your capturing video. So now, you know. Got to get my sound effects going. Yeah, I tried to do it. Failed. All righty. So, yeah, Robert, uh, our big thing is that I try mine in a fancy Glencarn like hand-blown glass whatever thing that is supposed to do the whole bring the, uh, like, make it easier on the, the, the nose and uh-huh. you get less of the alcohol smell. And then I don't use any ice cubes or any of those things because as the distiller intended is how I try them. Um, that said, I you know, don't. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> he drowns it in ice and crushed ice. So you're getting a lot of water right away. I have just a single large cube. Hold on. There you go. Yeah. Nice. You can't see inside, I guess. I do like the yeah. large cube. Yeah, they large say cube. I used to have spheres, but it was difficult. The, the crust just melts faster, right? It depends on what yeah. you're going for. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I started water. up my ice machine and it was too slow. So I, I have normal crushed ice, but we have a like a nugget ice maker, like the Sonic ice. So I was thinking that would be good, but it was too slow. So mm. <laughs> you have to prepare more in advance. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's, let's give it a try. Hmm. A little leathery for me. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, 
a little less spicy than I thought it would be for that much rye, honestly. Yeah. I get a little citrus on the nose, but I don't taste that. But I do get some leather. Get a bit of earthiness at the end. I think that's the leather you're talking about, I assume. Yeah, my yeah. completely unrefined palate is somehow getting like banana. <laughs> I don't know if I'm crazy there, but no, I don't. And when you say it now, that starts to affect my brain a little bit in that I could actually maybe like banana or banana peel like. Yeah, yeah. These are all just very arbitrary anyway. Uh, what is my descriptor, your descriptor? Does it actually mean the same thing? It's a pretty funny thing. Well, just yeah. perception of senses, right? Yes. Does a cherry taste the same to me as it does you? I mean, who knows? I hope we're not eating the same cherry. That'd be weird. <laughs> well, that's that's how we get <laughs> to know each other on this show. <laughs> and then once you, you know, once you break that, who knows? Maybe they're all different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's no way to know that we're having the same flavor. But, uh, mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. This is great. I, I, I like so. it, actually. It's um, it's a little it's it's I agree. It's less spicy than I expected it to be. Um, but, uh, still quite delightful. Yeah. yeah, so yeah I, I, I do like rise. So I guess yeah. maybe, I'm, maybe I'm spoiled there, but, um, do we all have the same barrel number? That would be, a good I'm wondering, thing get, I uh, so my, I have 114th proof. I don't know if I have uh oh the yeah, there we go. It is the, yeah, I see yeah. that now. Uh, barrel number 3703. 3703. Yep. Same. same. Mine's one bottle number 116 of 174. 114. Uh, where do I see that? Oh, 95. Uh, That's really early. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and and for as strong as it is, it's not um it's the not real hot. is right there on the side. Yeah. Oh, is it exactly. Really? Yeah, 95% rye, 5% <laughs> barley. I'm so used to I know, I'm so used to companies not doing it and having to just like look online to track all this stuff down, but I appreciate that that goes in there. That's great, yeah. Yeah. It is quite nice. Hughes Brothers from Pennsylvania, so I feel like oftentimes they try to hide it because, you know, they're, you know, there's a proprietary blend or whatever. Yeah, it's our special family thing. But I mean, Uh part of that, though, is the yeast, which, you know, a lot of these distiller uh, distilleries will have like their own proprietary family yeasts over many years or the master Mm -hmm. distiller kind of comes in with their own, that kind of thing. So, yep, um, yep. Yeah, so I mean the the grains, and you don't get to know the source of the grains. All kinds of weird things that make it seem like it's hard to make. Well, it's in their best interest to make it seem like it's hard, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, Robbie tra- uh, looked into starting his own distillery. Uh, yeah, up in the up yeah. in the hills of Virginia. <laughs> yeah, got all the equipment, <laughs> and then uh, you know, we were willing to do it without the permits initially thinking, you know, it's no big deal if we get caught, whatever, but found out it was actually a pretty serious felony. So, uh, haven't you seen the Dukes of Hazard, man? (laughs) I don't think so. Actually. No, really? What? What? Oh my, there's a, there's a generational difference. Like I can say that I had a Dukes of Hazard big wheel as a kid. So, and I watched it a lot, loved it, have seen it more recently. Doesn't play as well. Oh, I'm sure it does not stand up. No, (laughs) no, no. No. Even even aside from how cheesy it is, uh, I was I was not allowed to watch uh, Dukes of Hazard. I would sneak, I would sneak downstairs at 3 a.m. and watch it on the television. The one the one channel we got in over uh, the over the uh, airwaves. 
Wow. Nice. That's uh, very solid. You were very dedicated to it. Um, where where did you grow up? Uh, so Northern Illinois. So okay. um, out in the out in the out in the boonies in a in a town uh, a village, let's say, of three hundred and fifty people. If you blink, you miss it. Oh. Right in the middle of a bunch of cornfields. Oh, interesting. The whole the whole town was on an eighty acre plot. So it's that that was the size of the whole town. Very interesting. And then you find yourself here. Mm. In the technology mm-hmm. landscape, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy crazy town. I, I've had pit stops along the way, so I was down in uh, down in uh, Florida for a long time, about 15, 16 years, and now I'm up in uh, Rhode Island. So, oh, yeah, I can understand that escape. Um, although uh, we're planning our family vacation road trip for the month of July, we're going to make nice. ourselves make our way out to Florida for some mm. reason. I think Disney is a part of that. I feel like uh, so I will also be in uh, Florida in July. Um, going to uh, going to uh, we have a, a, a condo on the beach that we like to visit. A little timeshare set up uh, in uh, uh, for the Fourth of July. Um, we we get the week of the fourth off so for work. So that's quite nice. So the whole company is sort of everyone except for. Um, uh, some like folks try, trying to maintain this, make sure the site stays up, which is pretty important. Um, uh, get to take uh, take time off, so um, it's kind of nice. It's a nice little perk. Yeah. Come back and you don't have uh, ten thousand emails from everyone because you took vacation and they didn't. So. Right, yeah, that's <laughs> smart. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, so I guess we should give this a rating. We do a. a out of eight tentacles rating for, for whiskeys. Ooh. So, okay. um, I don't know if it's the, the, it's not always a whole number I've or had. can you have a fraction of tentacle? We haven't That's done a, a fraction yet, but we could, we would allow a fraction. Cause I mean, like what's calamari, but a fraction of a tentacle. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yes, there we go. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. You're, you're in for it. You're in for it today. Yeah, <laughs> That's fine. Wait until you pour your second. Uh, Wait until you pour the second. I see. I see. It's a trap. I see. It's a trap. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would give this a maybe a, a six ish. Um, pretty good. Um, I don't know. It's not not my favorite, but I like it pretty well. Okay. So, question about the details around the rating system: eight mm-hmm. being the best you've ever had of any type of whiskey, or the best of this type of whiskey? Of any. Any whiskey, mm, yeah, of any, I see. yeah, mm. yeah. It's real loose here, that's, you know. That's must, rough. That's a hard yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. It t- we we tend to have a lot of like sixes, few sevens. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we've had any occasionally eights. with the uh, like that maple syrup one, like a, a oh, lower number. But yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was really bad. No, it was a rye finished in uh, maple barrels, and it was okay. like it, it tasted musty and like uh, I don't know. It was not good for me. That is not that is not a word you want associated with something you're going to drink. Yeah, no. yeah. So, yeah, we were that, halfway through the podcast, and Chuck goes, "Nope, can't do it." Just went and got another whiskey. Have <laughs> <laughs> go. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with a six. I think this is a, a good rye. It's not like the it's not complex, but it is easy to drink. Would drink again. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. remember what its price point was, so that is uh, perhaps. Does that affect our opinions? I don't know. In a way, for me, it does. Normally, well, if you're going out to, to, to buy and yeah. make a choice, I think it's eighty yeah. a bottle. 
Yeah. So I think for 80, I might have expected a little more complexity. I don't know what age statement uh, they would have on here. And that could kind of rise or they're tricky in that bit, though. They, they can be like mm-hmm. eight, two, year, eight two year years. Eight-year-old straight rye whiskey. Eight, eight is good. I yeah. would have expected a little more woodiness out of that or whatever. Maybe that's my leather and whatever barrels they chose. But uh, yeah, six. Good. I think uh, I would recommend people trying it. Uh, I would have again. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I'd rebuy the bottle, though. I like it better mm. than Michter's. Let me say that. Michter's, uh, another Pennsylvania distillery, was like old school whiskey. Um, and then, I don't know, it has a like kind of a strange reputation these days. Unless you're getting their 10 or 20 year release, um, Michter's is eh, okay for me. So I like this better than Michter's. I, uh, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the, go with the group. I'm going to go with the six. Um, I, uh, I really dig rise and I like this and I probably would buy it again. Actually. Um, I like, it's a nice, uh, even rye. Um, it's good drinking straight. I could totally see mixing it in like an old fashioned or something as well. Um, probably would not do ice if I were doing it again. Um, cause I don't, basically with a rye, oftentimes I'll go with an ice cube, um, because it'll reduce a little bit of that spiciness over time. Um, but this just doesn't seem to have a lot of spiciness. So, um, yeah. so I think, so, so anyways, so I, I guess in retrospect, I might, uh, I might dump the ice cube, but we, we always have a, a second glass. So there's, there's time. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I am not opposed to continuing on beyond this initial taste. That's why I always try everything up and then. I save some to try with either a little ice or I even geek out and do the few drops of water to like aerate it and give it a little bit of uh, yeah, your precise of, measured of, water. Uh, yeah. It's just one of those little dropper bottles. Yeah, a little dropper. Yeah. 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 yeah so, well, I used to live around the corner in DC. There was that bar, the Jack Rose. Did you ever go there? No, I've, okay. I've heard of it, but I've never been there. It's insane. It's the best whiskey bar I've ever been to. And hopefully it's, you know, sustaining decently. What about the one in Portland? It was, that was fun. It was good, but no one can touch the depth of the Jack Rose thus far. I've been a few places in like San Francisco and stuff too, that are like touted as, and um, there's one called like, I think it's like Hay Needle or Haystack or something like that in Louisville that also has a pretty good whiskey selection. And given that they're in the motherland, I, thinking of bourbon because that's one of my go-tos I was thinking like oh man they're just gonna crush it but the jack rose still wins and it was huh. dangerous i lived around the corner but so you know i'd get tastes of things get like a two ounce pour do the first little bit up add some drops try it again and then if it was really like okay i need more then you can always add ice it's just whole you know, it gets really diverse it's almost like trying two or three different whiskeys sometimes yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so the problem I always have in those scenarios is um, at, after a, there is a there's a tail off of uh, your ability to taste well, I think, at least for me. Um, mm-hmm. And um, uh, even even just uh, flights like that are lower volume than than a you know two or three finger pour, I guess. Uh, I, I feel like uh, if you do in the wrong order, you end up blowing it out. Or, uh, anyways, I find those quite hard. I, I try really hard to stick with one through the duration, um, but that really defeats the purpose of places like this where they have so many options. It's just so hard. 
Yeah, you, you've got to go and really take advantage of it. Like I said, it was dangerous for a little while when I lived around the corner. Um, and whiskey prices weren't as crazy uh, at that time. I mean, the last time we were there and you had pours that were like $50 an ounce or on up and mm-hmm. for things that didn't mm-hmm. seem like it should be that crazy, then you really got to do it right. But yeah, they say yeah. that you go from low to high proof is one of the things. I do find that crackers like um, unsalted, like oyster crackers in between mm-hmm. will help cleanse the palate too and give you a little bit of break, of break. Yeah. So those are some of the, uh, those are the tips and tricks. If you, That's, that seems, that seems good. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely, definitely give it, give it, uh, give it a whirl. Um, I think, uh, I, I usually, I guess, uh, and I was talking to Robbie about this. I you, like my default, uh, go to is like a scotch and then rise a second, but the scotch prices have just been through the roof. Um, yeah. so, uh, you know, I, you know, so it's 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 tough to find find a good one. Um, so I, I've been um, on the on the rye front. I've been uh, going through a bit of Whistle Pig uh, kick lately, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and I and I think this sits nicely with us. So um, not quite their Boss Hog, I guess, which is I think a fifteen year, if I recall. But uh, mm-hmm. but the ten the ten year totally totally does does it justice. Um, it's just it's just a little less spicy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So you answered one of my questions, which would have been around like kind of where, where's your jam normally in, in the rye bit. Um, I don't know if you've talked with Robbie any about uh, his regular, he's got a rye that he's always oh, going no. to. Oh, well, yeah, it's uh, Sagamore spirits rye. It's mm. uh, fairly cheap and fairly good. So it's, it's I, hard to beat when that's uh, that combo there. So and I, I recommend it in particular if you can get a barrel proof one. Uh, they're like 50, 60 bucks. And I wasn't expecting much. And I, I go back to it quite a bit. I think that's really good. Um, and then on the other side, if you want some of that spice, and then you, especially like going right into the cube, I don't know if you've had the Willet four year rye. Mm, but I have not. I also highly recommend that. Well, got to write down, got the old pen out. Yeah. So, uh, I've been doing Willet for years, been to the distillery a couple of times. It is becoming harder and harder to get a lot of their other things. So they have a pot still bourbon, um, a couple of other like small things, but they have a rye that they've been dist- uh, distilling themselves. And it was a three year now bumped to a four. It's real good. It's been like pretty consistent and good, even through both of those, uh, differences in age statement. Have you gone down the path of Japanese whiskeys, though? Um, so I have not. Um, I have not. Um, mostly because uh, I have a nice collection of scotches that I really enjoy, um, and um, I just haven't haven't branched out into the Japanese whiskeys. Um, I uh, I realize they're uh, they're not scotch, so uh, but the. Uh, I do think that I w- they're on my list. Basically, I do think that I would prefer over bourbon. I I like a good bourbon, especially um, uh, it's it just uh, sorry, especially like in a like a, a, some some old fashioned like setups or whatever in a mixed drink. I guess is what I was going to say, which is probably sacrilege for this podcast. But you know, hey, we are who we are. Um, <laughs> you but, like what you uh, like. I just I just think they're too sweet. Straight. I just it's too sweet for me. Um, for, uh, for, for what it is. Um, if I'm, if I'm going to go, uh, neat, I'm going to go with, uh, a, a, usually a ride these days. Um, I do have the boss hog, uh, which is, I think a 15 
um, uh, whistle pig. Um, and it's, it's quite good. That's by like top shelf fry that I have. Um, and then, uh, but probably my, I'd say daily driver though, not daily, um, weekly, monthly. I don't know. Um, I don't is, judge. Um, is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a safe space. I appreciate that. Um, is, uh, is, is the 10 year, um, it's just less expensive. You know, you can, you can yeah. have it. I, I, I dig that. Yeah. I mean, whether you're having it daily or not, your daily sipper is, is usually something like that, that you would say like, Oh, it's got a good price point. I can have it on the regular. Mm -hmm. If you don't I feel bad it, about drinking it, mm -hmm. you don't feel bad about drinking it. If you dip it into a cocktail, that's like not too crazy. Um, mm -hmm. maybe not all the time, but so, uh, I'm going to recommend that you look up this rye cocktail called the final ward. Final ward. Yes. Okay. So I also like gin. That's kind of like uh, my side chick. And uh, <laughs> uh, so Negronis are my jam, especially during the summer. You know, it's hot here in Phoenix, blah, blah, blah. We all move to the desert and then we're surprised when the sun burns our skin. I don't know how that happens. But uh, yeah, Negronis are, are, had been my jam. A mm -hmm, uh, colleague mm -hmm. reach, recently introduced me to a cocktail called The Last Word. It's gin-based, has um, absinthe, uh, a maraschino liqueur, and lime juice. Um, and there's a tweak on that called The Final Ward. Love both of those. So The Final Ward is a rye-based cocktail, lemon juice. The other two things are still there, and it's good. I wasn't expecting a lot. I was just kind of like, oh, this seems kind of interesting, but look, you, know, you have one, that's great. And then you just maybe go to your sipper the rest of the night, that kind of thing. Gotcha. So it's, it's, so it's, it's rye and, uh, and what else? Abs rye, absinthe. Mm. Um, oh no, sorry. Rye, green chartreuse, uh, maraschino liqueur and lemon juice. My other cocktail of choice these days has been uh, a Sazerac because it's kind of yep. easy, but mm -hmm. complex. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Alton Brown and that's like his go-to cocktail. So when I'm cooking, I feel very Alton Brown. I make my go. Sazerac and then get into it. So also rye base. So. I, I dig a Sazerac. Yeah. Yeah. Both the whiskey and the drink. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess we should transition away from so much whiskey talk, maybe for those who don't care for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we'll have a lot of people who care more about the embery things that we ah. may get into. Um, get I mean, the start, Need another whiskey. Yeah. yeah good idea. Start with. Uh, I'm going to dump uh, my ice cube, actually. Sure. Sure. Get rid of that ice cube. I like where you're going with this. <laughs> so, yeah, what's ember? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, it's, you know, when your fire burns down, the best part of the fire actually is the embers, you know, like it, <laughs> that's really, true. it really is. That's my favorite part when there's basically no light left and it's just the red. Anyways, there's a weird place. I think that's more whatnot than the than the web but um, well, we can always circle back you know and go into <laughs> yeah. that yeah i feel like it's a continuum like it's a constant uh, motion situation yeah 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 so I, I don't know how many times you've answered basically these exact same questions on other podcasts and things but well, how'd good. you get into ember 
Uh, well, so forever ago, it seems like now, um, I worked at a healthcare company and um, we um, we did billing for, um, for, you know, we were those hated billing people um, for a group of anesthesiologists uh, across the state of Florida. And I think um, right around that time, the uh, HIPAA, which you've probably seen now um, uh, at this point, was just breaking through the um, legislature and uh, basically required loads and loads of, of changes to practices of anything with health records. Um, all of honestly, all of the stuff was good. Um, requires you to authorize release of records. Requires um, you know that that we uh, the healthcare providers uh, kept. Um, um, kept medical records uh, secure, um, all that stuff. All that was like really good. And and prior to it, it was um, it was unregulated and often maintained in a way that was um, for, for today's like twenty twenty one standards, just super insecure. Um, just like very like not encrypted, just uh, or or all paper, and you, people would have stacks of paper running around, like all that not good stuff. Um, so our billing um, our billing system was uh, was all custom written software that I wrote, um, and uh, we were in my opinion very very efficient. However. Um, the requirements, uh, our, our, um, compliance attorney basically, uh, told us that, um, we could no longer cache images on the devices, um, on, on like our, our people's devices, like they're doing data entry essentially, and they're having images. And, um, we were totally geared for like remote work. Um, this was 20 years ago now. Well, no, Shoot, I started there 20 years ago. It hasn't been 20 years since I did Ember. Um, Ember hasn't been around 20 years. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was, uh, uh, it's been a while, eight, eight, nine years, something like that. And the, the point, point being, um, we were doing, you know, sort of uh, .NET, like ASP.NET sort of web stuff. And it just did a lot of caching. Um, uh, additionally, um, we had some like .NET WinForms type stuff and, um, I say .NET because then it makes me look like not an idiot, but I was all visual basic. <laughs> so um, it was all visual basic. So uh, to this day, I think I've written more lines of code in visual basic than JavaScript, which um, if you look wow. at my, my GitHub profile might be a bit surprising. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, it, it is, it is true. All it was just private code. So, um, anyways, sorry, back to the story. Um, the, uh, the compliance attorney said we couldn't cache images on devices any longer. Um, and, um, again, for good reason, like people could compromise, uh, our remote workers, machines, all that jazz. Um, so I needed a way to have, um, instead of using, um, ASP.net or, or rails, um, instead of having those images refreshed and, um, uh, cached so that they would refresh faster. We had to run, uh, we, we decided to go with single page app and make it, um, long lived state instead of, so we didn't have to cache it, it just stayed in memory. Um, which gotcha. they, they said was fine, basically. Um, it's pretty crazy that we've also, we found a lawyer, um, you know, 10 years ago, I guess, that like was in tune with like browser caching and like local on disk caching. Um, that still surprises me to this day, but it seemed great. <laughs> um, you have to be an expert. So, um, so, uh, so at that point we were, we were a mixture ASP.net and rails shop, and we were trying to look for an alternative. Um, 
uh, being into the rail side, you know, I saw Yehuda and uh, and folks uh, in the Rails community also involved in Ember, so I decided to pick it up. This was just this was before 1.0.0 was released of Ember. Um, I went and did I picked I picked up a proof of concept and did it in a weekend, like you do, I guess. Um, and um, and then I was it wasn't that I was hooked, but uh, I saw that clearly it could solve my problem. Um, and then um, from there, I signed up for a training class that uh, Yehuda and Tom put on in Chicago, of all places, um, uh, that that August, I guess. Um, and I went to that that um, that training, and that's where I, I met them. Um, although I'm sure they don't remember me at all from that day, um, <laughs> because I wasn't involved in Ember at all. I just was some random person in a group of thirty. Uh, and um, at that point, I um, I really started um, doing more and more Ember stuff. I got pretty annoyed at ergonomics problems, um, so I started fixing things. This was back before Ember CLI existed. That was the Ember App Kit, um, which is mm-hmm. a super long time ago. Um, and um, I was filing bugs and issues on Ember App Kit, and uh, uh, Steph Penner um, pinged me, and he's like, "Hey." Uh, I'm just going to give you a commitment and, uh, you know, I, I think your, your taste is good and we'll, you know, we'll move forward and that way you don't have to wait on all these reviews and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh no. And so that's the, that's the curse. Um, so, uh, so then I felt somehow obligated to help everyone and, um, support all the things. And, uh, that morphed into, well, what was wrong with Ember app kit for those that don't know, that was a grunt based build pipeline, um, and a template. So you'd clone the repo and it would lay out your app. Um, and, um, and since all of that code lived in your local app, um, it was, basically impossible to upgrade because any customizations you did just turned into a liability. Um, so there's a, you know, multi hundred line grunt file. And uh, if you customize it to have special assets or to do SAS compilation or pick, pick a, pick a thing that people care about, um, uh, you ended up making tweaks to that file. So now you couldn't upgrade. You were just stuck because mm-hmm. your upgrade was effectively try to set up Git remotes and do a Git merge tool to manually figure out the diff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's real bad, bad news bears, bad juju. Um, so um, so we moved to uh, the idea with Ember CLI was that the boilerplate code, the code that made the system work was um, shipped in, uh, separately and independent of your code and wasn't intertwined so that you could independently upgrade individual things. That was the rough uh, pitch. Um, so that, that made a big, that made a big, big difference. Um, and uh, being, um, being able to move to Ember CLI from AppKit meant that now I could continue to stay up to date and uh, upgraded in my, my work apps and um, you know, kind of, kind of keep going. But that was the downward spiral, if you will, into maintenance of all the things in the world. Um, so I always say I, I credit and blame Steph uh, at the same time for being so willing to trust a complete 100% stranger um, with uh, access to uh, the kingdom, if you will. And um, it was it was a I don't know it was a vote of confidence that I didn't didn't uh, didn't deserve, but. Uh, Hopefully, has turned out okay. At the time, I will say I also didn't know JavaScript, so um, <laughs> so like 
basically at all. Um, so I was working in Ember trying to help out Ember. And at the time, Ember's build pipeline was actually Ruby-based, um, which I did know because of my Rails background. Um, and uh, so I started just doing PRs randomly, one-off PRs to the Ruby build pipeline um, and started got to the point where I sort of owned that whole end-to-end uh, -end system on Ember itself. Um, and as I was trying to learn JavaScript, I was learning JavaScript by reading Ember's code, which let me just tell you, do not suggest. I do not. <laughs> um, there is some of the most esoteric um, sort of uh, hot path, like manual optimization stuff going on there that you might ever imagine. Um, so, but that's how I learned JavaScript, I guess. So I am a poisoned mind, I think. Um, but uh as as we move forward, um, I slowly began learning more and more JavaScript and could actually do changes. And and I started with uh, on the Ember side, started with just documentation fixes because I didn't understand how the thing worked. And I would step through the code um, and figure it out. And I'm like, oh no, this documentation is wrong, or there is no documentation, or whatever. Um, and leading up to the Ember 1.0.0, there was a big like call call for documentation sort of meta issue that uh, Trek Galaki put together. Um, and, uh, and then I just picked up individual files and started reviewing them and adding documentation. Anyways, that was a super long-winded answer to a very <laughs> short question. <clears throat> it's a good answer though. Yeah, I, I remember looking through the the Ember source, like when I first start, started using Ember, thinking, you know, I want to contribute back in some way. And every time I would open it, I went, no thanks. Like, I have no idea what's going on in here. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I got more on the learning team documentation side of things. Because yeah, it's there's a lot of crazy stuff in there. And um, yep. I, don't, I forget what the thing was, but there was something where there was like a website there was like number of people that understand Ember something. Yes. Ember you, Metal. You know yes, about? number of people that understand yeah. embermetal.com. It's, it's like um, 4.5 or something. It's a like, Alex oh, Machinier, that's scary. Um, Alex Machinier, uh made that site. I don't know if it's still on, but uh, but yeah, he he made that site. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's good. Oh, I see. It's in my, <laughs> it's in my uh, Chrome cache, apparently. Uh, <laughs> it is not a domain anymore, but my, Chrome still knows mm. that I want to. I want to go to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the uh, there's some some details in the in the the metal part, the lowest level. This is um, a level below Ember object, uh, so there's no objects, there's no mix-ins. Um, there's just relationships between at the time computer properties and observers mm -hmm. and the dependent keys and how do you manage um, what things to notify when there's a change and all that stuff. Thank goodness all that code is basically going to die. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> going yeah. to die. So what remains? Uh, so we're going to have, you mean today or uh, after that's dead? Uh, how about both? So, so I think uh, the main replacement for it is not not a manual like de declaration of computed properties where I say, hey, this is a co computation I care about, and these are the inputs to the computation, which is how Ember computed effectively was. Like you'd you do an uh, Ember computed property, and then you'd say, I have these dependent keys. I care about the first name property and the last name property so that I can return name or something, for right. lack of a better example. Um, the... Uh, the, so that system was fine. It was good. It lasted a long time. It did great stuff. Um, the new system is basically uh, turning that all on its head completely. Instead of saying um, 
that you have a computation and that it has these inputs, let's instead talk about what the root states are. Um, so the root states in this case, uh, for my little name example, was the first and last name. So if I can mark that those root states are something I care to track, then any computation I do can just see, oh, I used those root states. So by definition, when I compute name, I care about first and last or something like that. So that lets us get, that's basically the auto tracking system that we have today in Ember Octane um, that I think landed in Ember 314 or something, 315, uh, but Octane um, era, um, which Octane was released in Ember 316. But um, the idea is uh, if you can um, identify your root states, then all the computations can be derived from those root states and those computations can be cached so they invalidate when any individual root state thing is set or signed. So so you set up a, like at tract in Ember, um, in, in an Ember, any, well, actually it doesn't have to be an Ember class, any class. And uh, that that turns into, that decorator turns into a getter and a setter for that property. And when it's set, we essentially invalidate anybody that, uh, that had consumed the getter. So I guess that's how it works. That's, uh, makes that's a great explanation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally makes sense. And and to be fair, I haven't really done much Ember work uh, in the last couple of years, except for Robbie forcing me into <laughs> an Electron app to integrate an API, a serverless API I built uh, over the last couple of months. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but it is it is straightforward and I have familiarity and yeah, going back into some of those things is nice. I think I think the nice thing about the Octane model is that um, you're just using JavaScript now, uh, which if you'd asked eight years ago me if that would be a good thing, I would have said no, because eight years ago, JavaScript kind of sucked. Um, so, you know, there was no classes conceptually. There was no um, like there was no like async await. There was no promises even in the language. Um, so like loads of good things have happened in JavaScript and now embracing it makes a lot more sense. Um, and so so I think. Um, as we continue to move forward, evolving our system to not be, oh, do it the Ember way. Well, it's just idiomatic JavaScript. It's just do it the JavaScript right way. And you don't need a special Ember thing. Like it's just, you know, Ember is aware of the way JavaScript works. I've got two triggers right here that I want to kind of take a pause on and, and see what you think. <laughs> so Robbie and I tend to yin yang a little bit. And I also just like probably troll him on some stuff. But so two things that you talk about here in terms of idiomatic JavaScript and then just mm -hmm. like pattern variances and, and differences. Mm -hmm. So we all know that like React uh, idioms are going down the functional path. So no classes whatsoever. <laughs> so one of the big things you talk about and when you get rid of classes, you no longer have the benefits of decorators. So what do you think about that? About the because uh, there's a lot of popularity around that pattern, mm -hmm. like sure, and you have people like Eric Elliott writing about the issues with classical inheritance and functional programming being the way for sure. all kinds of applications. So I'm just like curious, like what you know? Do you have opinions or feelings about that ideology? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think. Um so first of all, I think that it's uh, it's a bit incorrect to say that Ember, the Ember way, if you will, is anyway assuming classes. There's things that are nice about classes in Ember, but there's things that are nice that are nice about classes in JavaScript in general. Um, so this this may bleed into my uh, opinion on the React position. Um, I actually think functional programming is is quite nice in a lot of cases, especially for reasoning about what's happening. Um, 
And like, I can call a function, I can step into it, I can see what's happening, I can see what it does, I can change local variables, I can, I can do things and it's easy to reason about. I don't have to worry about long-lived state because long-lived state and, and it's effectively a cache invalidation problem waiting to happen. Um, so that that's totally real. But the fact of the matter is we're writing long-lived applications. They have state. Um, so there's there's a bit of a balance that is important, I think. Um, the computation of what to show and how to decide what to show um, is, uh, like in a web app, um, is, is really important. And I think having that be derivable, um, either functional or classic uh, class-wise, I think that is the goal. Um, the class system doesn't have to be inherently harder to understand, uh, although I will say, I will totally agree that it often is, um, because once you give someone inheritance, they tend to use it like I've got a hammer and everything's a nail. Um, but but that doesn't that's not a problem with classes. That's a problem with people thinking they have to use them for every possible solution. Like I think um, oftentimes the solution to compos is composition, not inheritance. Um, having multiple classes that have long lived state that you just you have a small one off classes that you give as collaborators to other objects um, or or to functions. Um, is a totally valid and useful way to code um, and um, is a nice blending between the two styles, the two functional style and the class style. Um, so when you have state, I think, when you have long-lived state, I think classes are the right answer, um, I guess. Yeah, so maybe I'm just a, a grumpy old man on this subject, <laughs> but like, you know, for years and years, we had all these workarounds like in Ember or otherwise to do fake classes because we didn't have classes, right? Spent all this time making these objects that behaved like a, a Java class or some other type of class. Then like mm -hmm. JavaScript finally gets classes and everyone goes, no, like we want something else now. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, what? Like, like we've been trying to get this for years and it's nice and now we don't want it anymore just because well, like... I, I think in, in React's <laughs> case, I think that the... Um, the problem and the push away from classes is really uh, is really not a, about, well, maybe they disagree, but I perceive it not to really be about classes as a concept insofar as it's about, hey, long-lived state and not re-deriving the, the state you care about every time, that thing is really hard. And if you have classes, it's really easy to stash local properties or whatever that you use and, and it messes up that calculation that re- uh, um, der derivation or der deriving the, the current truth of the world. Um, our, so Ember's uh, tracked model is trying to push you to a path where you, you just say the thing you care about and then you assign those things just with normal assignment, like th this.foo equals bar. Um, and then we automatically invalidate anybody that had cached those things. We're, we're trying to blend the blend the two, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, additionally, it's totally possible to use track state, Ember's track state in functional ways. Um, uh, now with the track storage primitives, which landed a few versions ago, we can we can look it up. But um, there's a polyfill as well. Um, but the, the idea is um, if, if you don't have to care about when to invalidate, you can just write your computation. You can just write your getter, you know, and it's just a pure function, air quotes. Um, and it takes the in, incoming root state and returns the, the derivative. Um, and I think that's also the same problem on the React side. It's basically if you have classes, you could have this long-lived state. And so your render function ends up being kind of bonkers, uh, or it can be, it's not that it has to be, but it can end up uh, taking so many inputs and so many um, 
uh, like branching logic, have, have a bunch of branching logic. Um, so I think the, the idea with, um, with tract is also to try to mitigate the same sorts of problems that the, the proponents of functional programming on the React side are trying to avoid. So an interesting perspective, I think, in that is that, so first of all, we're like talking about high level ideologies and then we're getting mm-hmm kind of granular into these frameworks, but the frameworks aren't really apples to apples, right? Mm-hmm. Because Ember has all the pieces to sort of draw from when yep. considering this and React, I mean, by by definition, is basically only caring about what state you pass to it, how often that changes, and then- And when to render to the- And, that, the and that's it, right? And they try to simplify mm-hmm. some of that with the whole hook, um, uh, working with hooks and hooks being mm-hmm. like state in a very small context versus overall in the application. And then yeah. you can put on other layers, bigger layers there. I think they're really leaning into, and that is a thing that makes like GraphQL a thing for them because like GraphQL has its whole like data state and caching ideology and all of that. And so mm-hmm. they're just getting something from GraphQL, trusting its state, and yeah. then looking at, the view layer and making a decision yep. whether you render or not at that. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think I think that's 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 right. I think on the Ember side, I think our uh, our concepts around deriving state and knowing when to invalidate the derived value and recalculate it. I think that that applies view layer, uh, model layer. It applies everywhere. Um, in the Ember side, on um, the React side, most of the advice is exclusively about the model layer. The the, the don't use classes basically um, is is always talking about the models, the components. Um, and um, and I think on Ember component, I think if you think about it, we also are saying the same thing or similar thing. Um, uh, this is not me saying classes are bad. I think classes are lovely. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we we guide people towards making um, template only classes all the time, components all the time. Um, and, and if you think about a template only component, it really is a function where you take inputs, which is your arguments, and you derive the output state. We, as a, as a VM, as a, as a like DOM rendering engine, um, just happen to know that there's only these small dynamic parts, and we can just intelligently update, update those. But, but it really is um, a much more functional a way to think about it. You can't have local state in those worlds, right? Everything is derived from your arguments and um, and, and runs down from, from there. Um, so I think um, the thing that we're, all, all of the frameworks that I know of are pushing back against is, hey, humans don't do a great job of dealing with cache and validation. And uh, we should try to guide them towards the pit of success instead of uh, down the pit of doom. Uh, so yeah. As I guess that's how I think about it. Yeah, that and naming things. We're not good at cash and naming things. <laughs> I went off by one. If yeah. we're listing them. Yeah, I want to. I, I want to. Joke, but you know, whatever. I have a moment here to like lean into. Like, I want this T-shirt. So, and I've seen like terrible variations, and then I I saw this really kind of good like programming you kind of one. And it basically is like a function that outputs cache rules, everything around me, CA, you know, cache spelled our way. And that is a dream of mine that I keep hoping <laughs> to receive Nerd. on some Christmas or birthday <laughs> gift, but it hasn't you, happened you've yet. Gotta, you've got to just like go to Cotton Bureau, own that thing and submit the design. It'd be great. 
Fun fact, uh, we have our design on Cotton Bureau purely for the ability to like do one-off shirts. And they accepted it. The, old, the, the giant octopus. Boom, That's great. It's on there. That's great. I think we sold 10. Yeah. Not to plug them, but I, uh, I, I subscribe to their T-Shirt Tuesday newsletter and I, I order random T-shirts from them roughly monthly. Yeah, hmm. why not? Yeah. Well, there we go. Also Double for the plug kids. for them. Yeah. yeah. Also for the kids. I don't that wear T-shirts, is, but... Oh, well, see, that is why well, that's one of the reasons um, we we print off some swag a couple of times a year. And uh, so we have gotten some things for my kids, but, you know, they keep growing. I don't know what happens. And that goes <laughs> yeah. pretty quickly. And uh, I, I think it has to do with feeding them. If, if you just yeah. stop, maybe that would they wouldn't grow. And then, then my guilt grows. So, like, yeah, which one? Yeah, which true, one is true better? Story. True yeah. story. <laughs> Can't relate. Yeah, that's your dog. My lawn. Yeah, <laughs> not really. They keep snoring though. I'm aware of that. Yeah, definitely. They're very, very small dogs. Yeah, they grow this way more I horizontally. Got, I, got a, I got a pandemic dog that's much larger than my other dog. So he's a uh, he he's a he's a ninety pound mutt. So oh wow, yeah. He oh, the other dogs do <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we um, when we moved up here, Rhode Island, we had a whole arc. We had. Uh, I drove in a minivan. I have a picture. I'll have to dig it up for you. I'll link you. Um, but we drove up here. We had four dogs, three cats, two birds, and two kids. It, oh, and uh, and two guinea pigs and a goldfish, all in the car in one minivan. That's a lot of things to put in a minivan. Just so you're, yeah. just so you know. Um, and uh, and over over the years, that was six, seven years ago now. And and two two of the. Uh, two of the dogs passed away and we, we got, so we got, uh, so we have two dogs left. Um, one is a puppy from that time and she is a golden doodle. Um, she's, um, just a fluff ball of, uh, of love and adoration. Um, and she's like 40 ish pounds, give or take. Um, and, uh, and then we, we just adopted a, um, a dog from a rescue in Puerto Rico, actually, uh, the Sado project it was. Um, but during the pandemic times, all of the um, all of the local humane shelters or whatever, all um, they had no dogs, um, which I guess right. is a good condition for them, honestly. But mm-hmm. um, uh, we were we were going to be home for a long time. It's a great time to break in a new puppy, and that was, um, you know, I'm sure what everyone else thought actually as well. Um, <laughs> right. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, we, we adopted one. They, he flew in from Puerto Rico, um, and, uh, we got him in August. So he's, uh, he's, uh, just a mutt basically. He's, he's 50 some odd percent German shepherd. So that's where the size comes from. But then like Shih Tzu and, um, uh, one other beagle, beagle. Shih Shih Tzu and beagle. Those are the three main things. And Mm. it's like, I don't know how you get those, that cross, but there's some logistics issues there. Yeah. I want to I want to come back to the Dukes of Hazard. Did you name him Flash? <laughs> no, no. His his name is Rory. Uh, so our other dog's name is Clara, um, and uh, this is a Doctor Who uh, a throwback here. So um, Clara and uh, and and Roy are both Doctor Who uh, characters. So from yeah. the the reboot, not the original old wacky one. Sorry if that offends anyone. I haven't watched either. So same actually. Uh, I was I started watching Jupiter's Legacy recently in terms of mm-hmm. like the sci-fi superhero realm. How of things. have you liked it? Uh, more than I thought I would because uh, 
you know, no offense to Transformers. I like Transformers in general just because I grew up with them. But uh, sure. You know, Josh Jamal, I was like, eh, I don't know. I, maybe not too great. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite interested in the story. I know it's based on comics. I don't have time to read things, but uh, oh. stay up late, drink whiskey, and watch something on Netflix that my wife doesn't want to see. That's the thing you that can sign up for. Boom. I can do that. So sign me up. That's, yeah, thus far, <laughs> a few episodes in. Uh, yeah, I, I think the story is interesting enough that uh, I'm into it. I, that's how I usually watch those Marvel things. It used to be on a plane going somewhere. It hasn't been mm-hmm. much of that lately. Now you don't have to do that, yes. Yeah, so now I have to for stay better or worse, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Disney so, Plus so for my kids, so. Our situations are like somewhat reversed in the sense that my wife just vets new stuff for me. And she says, ah, you'd like this or no, you wouldn't like that. Um, so she <laughs> just watched uh, she just watched Jupiter's Legacy and she's like, ah, you should watch it. It's a little dark for you, but it's uh, it's going to be fun. You'll like it. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Wow. Sounds okay. good. Sounds good. So, Ringing endorsement from uh, from the boss of me. Yeah, I like that. Um, I ha- I don't think I've really gotten into the dark parts yet, so I'm looking forward to that. Then uh, oh, I like right. you know some depth no spoilers there. Ah, uh, no, 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 no spoilers. But <laughs> did you watch uh, WandaVision and the? I did. I loved WandaVision. That was great. Uh, we we yeah. um, so uh, I have a I'm roughly allergic to the the old school. Uh, I guess old school. The like when we were growing up, everything would come out weekly, and you just you'd have to show up at a time and watch it. I I hate that. I can't stand yeah. it. I just want to binge it. Um, yep. So we waited till all of them were out, and we watched the we watched them all. Me, myself, uh, myself, my wife, and the two boys, uh, thirteen and eleven and a half. We watched them all straight through. Like we st- we started a little bit too late, so we didn't finish till like one a.m. But uh, but it wasn't that. It was like six and a half hours. So it's not too much content. Mm. Uh, maybe seven. It's something like that. There's not that. There's not that many, um, and we really, really enjoyed it. Um, and we also did the same thing for the the other one, the, the Winter Captain, Soldier. No, Winter Soldier, and no, it's not just the Winter uh, Soldier. It's uh, it's the Falcon and the Falcon, Winter Soldier. The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yep. yep. So uh, so we did the same thing for that. We really we we enjoyed both. Both both were great. The whole whole family uh, plus one. You should watch them both. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so, I agree. I watched both. I'm. I mean, I collected comics as a kid, so I'm into that whole universe of things. Um, yeah, I feel my my son love. So my son is four, my daughter's two. Uh, I started late in the game. It's a young man's game, Robbie. That's a nice you split, get on though. It. That's a nice split. Oh, it's perfect. I mean, I, I don't want to. By the time you're out of diapers, you're out of diapers. You know, like yeah, you, you know. yeah. So started late in the whole game. Infants are tough. Get going, Robbie. But. The fact that we had, the, yeah, that split is good though. Um, yeah. yeah. So we were lucky there, uh, both times planned and first time. Nice. That's great. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be braggadocious, yeah. but I know it's you know, sometimes tough. Yeah, I mean, for some without people going and, into much detail, you know, we've tried a little bit and haven't had a ton of success yet. So well, yeah, the, we're, the we're working on it. This is the key, Robbie. The practice is yeah. the key. <laughs> exactly. Keep practicing. That's the number one yeah. thing. Yeah. Yep. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> That's what they say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, Robbie, yeah, do you not uh, do the Marvel Universe? No, I do. Um, I thought, so you were saying that's on Netflix? No, those are both on no, Disney+. Okay. Plus. All, all the, all the Marvel say. stuff's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I, I really liked, um, I, I honestly forget who's Marvel and who's not, but all the shows that were on <laughs> Netflix, like Daredevil and stuff, that was Marvel, right? Yeah, that, yep. that was Marvel Universe. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but then once 
once Disney bought Marvel, which has been a while now, but um, yeah. they they they're sort of taking over that the whole universe. Right. Stuff. Yeah, those yeah, license so I, I watched, days expired and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I watched all of those when they were on Netflix, like uh, Daredevil. Yeah. I, mean, and I think those were great. Iron actually, Fist and yeah, Luke I liked Cage, all of those. I think, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, Iron. Okay, so let's talk a minute about Iron Fist. It was a little <laughs> hokey. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't love, I it, loved it, but I loved it. Did you? Okay. Um, it was it was so hokey. Um, but so here's the thing: if you can suspend disbelief about this thing, these things, then it's fine. But there's some there's some levels where I just can't. This this one, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Maybe it was enough whiskey. Maybe that was the key. Yeah, <laughs> could be. And, and you never and know. There's certainly no opinions cast here. I just I I think I watched like two episodes, and I was like. I don't know. There's there's some appropriation here, and it was yes, a little like yes. kooky. And it, it, although I watched wild, Cobra, yeah. Kai, I, although I watched Cobra Kai, and I loved it, so I don't know. Mm, I I haven't I haven't watched Cobra Kai. I do I, love the original Karate Kid movies, but I'm like I don't want those spoiled. Like the memory of those movies in my head is like foundational to. Like, it's just as reality. cheesy as those movies, so that's where it delivers. <laughs> so it can't ruin it. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just as cheesy in those ways, so it kind of like keeps that going. All right, so uh, we have we have avoided talking about the absolute best show that I watched in 2020, um, which was Ted Lasso. Um, have y'all watched mm. it? Have not seen it yet. Okay, it so, is it is by far the like it is it is the most enjoyment I've had watching a television show literally ever. Now, well, a lot of compounding factors, but. I don't know how much you have internet stalked me. I'm I'm guessing. Probably a lot, but uh, so I am a massive European football fan. I okay, follow sure. Manchester United, so I'm in the English league. The, I mean, for a very long time. So, yeah, <laughs> Pro, proper football is what we prefer to say in these parts. Sounds um, great. So I was familiar with that character because when like NBC acquired the yeah, EPL, exactly rights, the old skits, the like what six yeah, seven years ago. Like, I don't know. It's been yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been like a few years or whatever, and mm-hmm. so that character. And then they when they pitched it on the whole Apple TV thing, I got that free because I bought my wife a, a new iPhone. So oh, mm-hmm. awesome win win here. Mm-hmm. Watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. It, yeah, he. There's a lot of diversity to Jason yeah. Sudeikis, like the comedy and the empathy that you get there. I don't know. I enjoyed it a lot too. I, I, the whole time. So, and this is the cynic in me, the whole time I was waiting for the shoe to drop and uh, like some sort of evil plot to, uh, to come out. But like, uh, but you have to watch it to see. Uh, I, I, I've, I've since made um, those little biscuits, the, the little short, shortbread uh, biscuits that, um, that, um, that he's always uh he's got yeah try not wow. to spoil it damn it damn it robbie um <laughs> just the yeah so, <laughs> sorry so, so, well and all of the other people i guess we don't have to think about them though um all 60 the, people the, who listen to us the, the biscuits yeah. the 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 apple apple had an event not too long ago and they're like in their slides where they have like a bunch of icons or like references they had a reference to ted lasso's biscuits and they had like a half cut off line of the top line of a recipe and uh, someone like reverse engineered what the rest of what the actual line was and then like found it. It was one, <laughs> one recipe. You know, you know uh, I also, knew they were going to do that. Yeah. Also fun fact that biscuits in England are just cookies. Crisps are chips. 
you know, chips yeah, and fries. So the chips this. and fries and crisps, that, that thing is very confusing to me. Yeah. Be- because when someone says it's fish and chips, I want to know, because I've, I- I'm sorry, but I've been places where they give me literal American chips and I'm like, no, oh, this is not out. the meal. This is not <laughs> what I signed up for. I ordered fish and chips. I expected fries. Yeah. Like, I expected I get, a basket full of fried food. Yeah. And if I get chips without malt vinegar, I'm out. Also, if I get the right chips, no malt vinegar, I'm out. So here's my problem with the malt vinegar. Um, the entire table has to use it or I don't want it. Because mm. it ruins my entire experience. If I'm having something that doesn't take malt vinegar and I have to smell malt vinegar, my whole my whole meal is ruined. Yeah. Well, then there you go. You I, just I have to go to a I'm, chippy. Go to a chippy in England or Ireland. That's what you get. Everybody's having the same thing. Happy. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing we just discovered is that I just have to always be the one that uses the malt vinegar, and then it's never a problem. Yes, just opt yeah. into it regardless. Perfect. As Perfect. soon as someone orders fish and chips, you're like, I know, I know All what right. I gotta sign, get. Sign, sign me up. Yeah, solved. Put me in, coach. <laughs> if we if we ever share a meal together and there are fish and chips, real chips involved, we'll you know, know what's what coming. Yeah, we'll know what happens. We'll yeah. know. You're like, <laughs> this guy's not going to settle for tartar sauce. What the what hell is tartar the hot sauce? Okay. Do you do malt vinegar and hot sauce? What? No. Oh. First of all, Europeans are afraid of hot sauce in my yeah, experience. Yeah, that's their problem. Yeah. So I have, <laughs> I, I like tend to have be, things. You know, character flaw. I don't know. I, could be. Could be why we won. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I tend to like lean into, especially like, local native foods or whatnot. Like I tend to mm-hmm. lean into the way intended. I don't know. Sure. No. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I tacos, that. tacos and hot sauce. I'm, I'm into that. Uh, t- Thai f- yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thai food, hot sauce into that. I see stuff. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So I just, I just kind of tend to go that when way. When you come down on the, uh, the waffles and uh, chicken waffles situation. Okay. Yes, strong opinions here. I feel like this is a really specific uh, situation. I can't believe you stumbled into this because this is great. Uh, Yeah, I grew up in an urban area, but like deeply tied to Southern roots and my grandparents cooked Southern food and all that kind of thing. So I grew up in Kentucky, but I was like across the river from Cincinnati and very connected to that kind of urban area. But also, yeah, fried chicken, biscuits, all those things, very Mm -hmm. connected to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I want hot sauce on my chicken and I want honey on my biscuits. Absolutely. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. I'm sold. I'm, I'm right there. That's exactly my, my take. I do. Um, I do think that you can substitute on a, on a chicken and waffle situation. You can substitute real maple syrup with, for the honey. Um, personally, mm-hmm. uh, basically to me, the thing is the sweet and the hot together. That's the thing. That's yes. Important. Yes. Uh, yes. And, the, and the savoriness of the chicken, thing. right? Like some salt, some pepper, like some savoriness more than just hot. So it's, yes. you get the whole gamut of flavors in that dish. Like it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I cannot yeah. convince my children, but more for me. I maybe, guess. maybe if you just add Kool-Aid with it. <laughs> so there, there's a place here and they really lean into it and you get Kool-Aid. It, there's a great chicken and waffles place here in Phoenix. People connected to like very Southern food and they do like, you get your chicken, you get your waffles and then you can get Kool-Aid in a Mason jar. And What's I'm, it called? Shout them out. Oh, Lolo's Chicken and Waffles. It's amazing. It's best fried chicken also here. Also amazing name. Well, 
So okay. Uh, so when I I'm googled, very... hold on. When I googled chicken and waffles Kool Aid, literally first hit Lolo's beverage selection. <laughs> wow. There you go. Yeah, Lolo's is amazing here, and I do love Southern fried chicken, but I have a very conflicting feeling about like the best fried chicken not style just like if you're just saying the best fried chicken korean fried chicken is mm. pretty good there's a place uh, they have one in dc actually we just opened one banchan. here yep banchan banchan uh banchan mm. chicken i don't think i've ever had korean fried chicken Yes, I'll you gotta try it. It's twice fried. It's twice fried, so they so, and so have a light batter, more in, of like a tempura batter. Yeah. So for a long time, I lived in Central Florida, and we just didn't have where where I lived. We didn't have a lot of options. I'm not saying Florida doesn't. Florida has got tons of options, but where where I lived, there was just not a uh, uh, a lot of diversity in uh, culinary choices. Uh, lots of great Southern food, but that was uh, that was the limit. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so I have to I have to give it a whirl. Uh, I know uh, over in Providence they've got uh, they've got a, a place that does uh, Korean fried chicken, so I have to give it a whirl. You really should twice yeah. fried. Bonchan, Bonchan does like they have to fry it fresh too. So like you order it and it's like forty five minutes before you can get it. I don't know if it's like that everywhere, <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, plan ahead, get some appetizers yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. They have like bulkogi, fried rice, and some other stuff that's like really good. Yeah, it's highly recommended. I've had some non-banchan things that are also quite good. In LA, there's some really great Korean fried chicken places, but banchan is the truth on the East Coast for me. Mm -hmm. I have to have to find have to find one out. Mm -hmm. What not about food works for everybody? There's this yeah, whole well, like who doesn't like food, especially, you know, I don't know. I am um I'm a somewhat reformed fat man, so I'm but I'm still <laughs> in that body. <laughs> well, Jim Gaffigan has that whole skit where he's like talking about uh vacations and vacations are you go somewhere and then you just like talk about what you're gonna eat and you talk about where we're gonna go for lunch yeah. and then you do the lunch thing and then during lunch he's like, Where are we gonna go for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm a constant planner. I want to know. So, so I've, I've been, I've been on like two years of like calorie counting. Um, so I'm very specific. I want to plan the whole day in the morning, like, cause I need to know how many calories I need to save for dinner or lunch or whatever. And, yep. mm -hmm. you know, so like, I, I'm going to have like, you know, a piece of toast with nothing on it for breakfast if I'm going to go to some nice dinner or, or lunch or something. So I've, I've got to know, got to know ahead of time. It drives my wife crazy. She <laughs> hates it um, because she's one of those folks that really doesn't know what she wants to eat until it's time to eat. Like I'm hungry. Let's decide now. Now's the time. Can't plan ahead because I would have planned the wrong thing. Now's the time to decide. Right. Yeah. That's a, and that's a, tough, a, that's a, that's a tough one for me. Yeah. Whereas I, I could eat literally the same food. Like I have every day for breakfast, five eggs and two pieces of rye toast. That's breakfast every yeah. day. Are your eggs have, fried or scrambled? Um, so fried most of the time we have fried, we have chickens. So we have roughly Ooh. 18 to 20 chickens. So, um, we have fresh eggs, which is, um, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat the fresh eggs. Can't beat it at all. So I have this obsession spicy. with the, the French way of cooking eggs. So I used to be a fried eggs person, but then I switched to scrambled when I do them myself, which mm -hmm. is like at very low temperature setting, some butter down, and you just put the eggs right in the pan and you're basically constantly moving the whole them. time. Yes. And they I've, just I've get seen Gordon Ramsay do that. Yes. 
Yeah. The Ludo Ludo yeah. is the is the one that I look to because he makes that whole omelet with like the borse and cheese in the middle and he's just like slowly doing it, and eventually yeah. folding yeah. it up yeah. and it's so, like So I love I mind. love scrambled eggs, but my problem is oftentimes they're way overcooked. Often yes. like you, they need to be moist. Um, I don't have so, them so unless they, I make them. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's usually just too, too much. Um, so uh, funny story, uh, the uh, Ember core team, we have uh, quarterly face-to-face -face meetings where we all sort of get together and have meetings. And um, for a long, long time, we would rent a, like Airbnb uh, of like a place with like 10 bedrooms or some crazy number and, uh, and all get together. And uh, Igor Terzik actually was the first one to make these scrambled eggs for me. And uh, so, sorry, the whole point of that story was that we all take turns making all the meals um, but the point the point was that uh, there's just a massively more time to connect and discuss random technical problems um, with subgroups and whatever than than if you just go in a boardroom and have a meeting for eight hours or something um, but anyways Igor made a killer scrambled eggs like I, mm, I he sent me the video and I've tried to make it I'm like no you've got to come over to my house and you've got to make me eggs. <laughs> there you go that's, that's exactly. what I tell him that's a good, it's a good way to like loop him into it. Mm -hmm. Well, he went to college up in New Hampshire, so he's not that, not that far. Hmm. All right. Well, we are well over an hour now, so I guess we'll end what, it here. What is the goal? What do you mean? Hour given to give or take. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, it's usually more like 45 minutes, but, um, doesn't matter. Two of us. We could go. We could keep going if you want, but you know we can also. No, just no, chat we're 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 good. Offline. I smell food <laughs> brewing upstairs. So Ooh, okay, so Fair our enough. timing is perfect. I think we're having we're having fajitas. So there oh, will be nice hummus in my future. You know what? Next time around, we're going to talk about this. I have a real issue with self-assembling foods at home. Probably okay, <laughs> but I'm never going to a restaurant where I've got to do work for the food. Fajitas is one part. No, I I. I, so I totally agree. So I want a fajita bowl. I never have the, I, be, again, see prior conversation about uh, calorie counting. The the tortilla is just a waste of space, a uh, mm. waste of calories. It's a lot of calories. I love them, but there are way too many calories. The, like a small, like half a cup of rice and like, like eight ounces, 10 ounces of chicken that is all fried nice with, se with seared and seasoned nicely. Um, hot sauce and those vegetables, man, that's where it's at. If you I'm get some kimchi, ooh. Mm. Oh, yes. Well, kimchi is a fusion, yeah. so that's a separate conversation. Wedge salad is my nemesis. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or, or uh, so I also, I, so while we're, while we're at it, the chopped salad where they serve you the thing and all the things are separate, I'm like, what are you doing? Just toss it. Like, I, yeah. I, you, you have a big bowl. I, you, you filled this bowl. I cannot mix this salad without making a mess. Yeah. What do you want from me? Yeah. yeah it drives me, drives me nuts. <laughs> Drives me crazy. <laughs> I've, and I've, this is with a year of like uh, reflection, have not gone out and had a nice salad for a while. So, yeah, no, that's true. Those, those jerks. I don't want to work for it. <laughs> it's a great segue. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe and uh, let us know if you have any suggestions for future whiskeys or things like that. <laughs>